0: the Academy Award-winning director, Steven Soderbergh. Brett Farr claims not to know what a podcast is. If you know I have a podcast, Brett. Did you know that? No, um, you don't know, you know what, what a podcast is. <laughs> <laughs> Dredgy Wayne, Edward. I had a, a, a pet snake
1: mm-hmm. by the name of Law. I'm not a snake fan. I don't like snakes. Buy the snake in
0: the house. I get a, a, a text on my two-way, Law dead. <laughs> Chris Cooley threatened to prank call me, Eisen. How are you? This is David Dunn. Did I see you, No, you didn't, because I'm recording this thing right oh now, God, dude. This you're is the, the podcast. Uh,
2: you Reed did not
0: call Tim Tebow last night. <laughs> I eat too much. Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining us. I'm Richard Eisen. I don't download many podcasts, but when
2: I do. I prefer preferred Rich Eisen podcast is your host,
0: Rich Eisen. Welcome to the latest edition of the Rich Eisen Podcast, coming to you from our Culver City, California studios uh, on the cusp of Memorial Weekend 2013. Pleased to be with you here. I uh, want to uh, pause at the top of this show to send all of our best and prayers and condolences to those. Uh, In the state of Oklahoma um, Right in the middle of our heartland Of our country Uh, Certainly for those international listeners And followers of this podcast Right smack dab um, In uh, In the nation's heartland As we call it Some horrible scenes Playing out with a monster Of a tornado ripping through um, Oklahoma City and, And its environs Including a couple of elementary schools to the moms and dads, brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles and children, all of our best. And we hope uh we hope that um that uh everything is uh, as as well as can be.
3: Some of those photos were just unreal. Horrible. I just want to get this out there, text nine zero nine 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 to uh a red cross to that number and uh it'll donate ten dollars out of your phone. It's easy to do. I did it this morning definitely worth it because they're going to need some money
0: and that is uh the voice of the tanned but not so rested chris <laughs> law returning from vacation chris brockman
4: his tan is fantastic it
0: is which... it is george hamilton like it I is i mean when you're when you're at bolan like
4: when you're posting up on the pool side beach side with your feet up in photos that's the kind of tan that happens.
0: That's Look. the thing that happens. Back so, from, so back from Mexico, before we get into this, I want to I wanna hit uh, what we've got uh, in store here Yeah, yeah. for this show. I'm very excited. Um, the CEO of the San Francisco 49ers, Jed York, will be joining us. And it was big news for him, his team, his franchise, his home area of San Francisco, California, getting Super Bowl 50. Super Bowl L, the big one, the big one, as they were saying in their bid to the membership of the NFL that it's the golden anniversary of the Super Bowl. So why not have it in the Golden State by the Golden Gate, even though Santa Clara is about a 45 minute drive from San Francisco. It sounded good. It worked just fine. The uh, new Levi Stadium that should be open for the 2014 season Will be the host to the Super Bowl after the uh, 2015 season, um, and uh, that's what's that's what's coming. Oh after the 2016 season, actually.
3: We're in, it's uh, New York and then Phoenix, right? Right, New York
0: yeah. of, of two, then in 2014, It's a and then 2015. On, so in 2016, it will be in San Francisco. In San. Yeah. And then in Houston will be the home of Super Bowl LI, which technically would have worked better for Levi Stadium since that's the Roman numerals for 501, right? I see you working uh Thanks, that's how I'm working it, in the field of genes, as they call it. And uh, we'll talk about all of that with uh, Jed York as Houston's getting Super Bowl 51, but Jed York's going to call us from Boston um, after the vote took place in Boston, Massachusetts, and South Florida getting the the Ziggy right there. They got nothing. Yeah. And they would have, if they'd gotten either one of them, um, taken the lead in the all-time number of hosting Super Bowls, they would have had 11. They still have 10 tied with New Orleans. and. I don't want to get into the politics of all this sort of stuff, but they have a stadium that needs renovating in the eyes of, of many, certainly in the eyes of uh, the the folks who got rained on at the uh, Super Bowl between the Colts and Bears and who were at the Pro Bowl prior to the Colts-Saints uh, Super Bowl. There's no covered seats in that stadium. If you're not in one of those luxury suites of which there are apparently not enough when you compare it to the other host cities with their Super Bowls, uh, you're going to get rained on. And it's interesting that that's part of the reason why they didn't get this from a league that's going to go to a cold weather site that people could get snowed on or (laughs) sleeted on during a game.
4: I mean, there could be empty seats, let alone rain-covered seats. But in
0: all fairness, though, um, New York, New Jersey probably wouldn't get the game again if a Nor'easter hits, you know? True. Sure. We've talked about this before. Yeah, Super
3: Monday, potentially. If
0: there's a Super Monday because of the weather, it'll be tough for anybody in a cold weather site. If it works in New York, New Jersey, then they'll be in Baltimore, in D.C., in Philadelphia, in Minnesota. They'll be raising their hands saying, how about us? Pittsburgh, who knows where this could go. Uh, if the cold weather sites work. Green we'll, Bay, Lambeau. We'll talk about all of that with Jed York. And then uh, with it being Memorial Day weekend, normally that's where you talk films,
4: right? Yeah. Summer well, we,
3: blockbusters. Yeah,
4: right. A lot we, of great movies out Star right Star Trek is awesome. I went last night. How great was that? But, <laughs> amazing. Just as good as the first.
3: I've never seen a single Star Trek movie in my entire life. Are you, you, you serious? You didn't see yeah. the one
4: a couple of years ago? No. Oh,
3: I'm not a big sci-fi guy. I'm not. Not,
0: I, but I'm not, I'm not a big I'm not a big um, you, know, you you know, know what, medieval fantasy guy, and I love right. Game of Thrones. You know what kind of
3: guy I am? Watch tr- my first episode.
4: I'm a great movie guy. I like seeing great films. And this Star, new Star Trek, Trek, Trek films was
0: are, well in the old versions. The 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 even numbered Star Treks were great. Of the first five, you know the that was with the old television crew. Oh okay. Star Trek's two and four. Were the best ones. One, three, and five were. Yeah, I was just telling I my roommate. Out. I,
4: I might go back and try to rewatch some of the old ones. Two and four are the best. Okay. Okay. Right. And then these no, last
0: two th- that have been rebooted amazing. by J.J. J. Abrams and the folks who do Lost is spectacular.
4: Spectacular. So I would say I
0: so go see that. For I mean, sure. I haven't seen the Iron Man three, but we're we're going to be about um, the the small screen on this one because this Sunday, Memorial Day Sunday, is a major situation going on on television. Game of Thrones has the penultimate episode of season three. And in seasons one and two, I know you just said you just started watching your first yeah, one. Yep. Uh, I'm not giving anything away, but the big moments of seasons one and two happen in the penultimate episode of the season.
4: We're talking Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. Yes.
0: Second to last episodes uh, of the season were amazing blockbuster, which is what this upcoming one is. Okay. Mad Men's wrapping up as well. Are they, not, are they taking Memorial Weekend off? I think they are. Yeah, I think you're right. Okay, and they, oh, I I don't know actually. Good question. I think they yeah. are. Well, they didn't. It was they said on the next Mad Men at the end of this last one. Law, can you check that out? I'll By check the it way, out. while you were gone, Alex Wilk, who was taking your seat, he yes, was, I, I never at once had to ask him. Can you check that out? <laughs> he was already <laughs> on that sort of stuff. The, but we'll uh, get again. There were some that audio
3: level on. issues. The show sounded Cause, good cause too. I, know, no? I noticed. I downloaded it and I was launched under the bus twenty seconds into it.
4: Well, Last episode. Last that, episode. That was because you were going around the helmet. Over. <laughs> Rich my, didn't over even her. get to
3: the introductions. He comes on. He welcomes. He says I'm gone, and then he throws me under yes, the
0: bus. That's what happens when you go on vacation. Exit you got to be careful. You got to be careful.
3: You stay <laughs> at your post here. And then the whole. I wonder if Law listens to this. We'll find out if he gets to the end. If <laughs> <laughs> he gets to the end, we'll know. We'll know. Oh, and then immediate tweet. I was sitting on the beach. I, I don't read magazines. I had nothing to do. Of I was course, you're on, listening on the listening to podcast.
4: Nice. Nice. Well done.
0: So, uh, but there are two major situations happening on television on Sunday night. Netflix, The Return of Arrested Development, all 14 episodes, new 14 episodes. Dumping them all. At once, for your binge viewing pleasure. Wow. One of the funniest television shows ever, Arrested Development. Jason Bateman, Michael Bluth himself, is going to be on this podcast to talk about The Return of Arrested Development. Then on Sunday night as well, on HBO, um, w- which is amazing as well, on, on May 26th, with Game of Thrones and everything else going on, on HBO is the last ever feature film, according to him, by Steven Soderbergh. According to him. A, uh, 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 a podcast favorite, Steven Soderbergh. Indeed. Our, our in-house sports media critic.
4: Maybe the Steven greatest Soderbergh. Twitter name ever?
0: At Bituation. Yes. yes. Which is a moniker forged on this show and he has no more films left in him according to him he says that he's done i'm sure he's got films left in him but he's he's finished he's walking away from the film career he says i hope that's not the case
4: it's an interesting move
0: right the man is uh, he's, he's it's, it's brilliant brilliant as they come this can't be but if it is it's incredible. It's called Behind the Candelabra. Have you seen it? I have, and it is a biopic on Liberace, as told by uh, one of his lovers' memoirs, uh, Scott Thorson, and who's played by Matt Damon. Liberace played by Michael Douglas. <laughs> heavyweights. It is dark. It's dark. Hmm. It is very, very dark. And Soderbergh directs it. Jerry Weintraub, who produced all those Ocean's films, right. among you know uh, in his pantheon of of producing in his half century on the job, he's producing that. And a role of Liberace's manager is played by Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> he's in it, and Liberace's uh, plastic surgeon, played by Rob Lowe, <laughs> and he st- he steals every scene he's in.
4: Liberace had plastic surgery. You think? <laughs> just, just
0: a little. Back in the day, too. Back in the day, and Rob Lowe, podcast favorite, calling it, calling it excellent. So Jed York, Jason Bateman, Rob Lowe, I heavy, like it. Heavy hitters. I like it. And it's then cool. after all of it, we get to Chris Brockman's tome on the NFL Game of Thrones hybrid. Indeed. You blogged about it this week. I did. Right? I wrote, your-
4: I wrote about 3,000 words See, about like it. I'd like
0: to say it was good, but I don't know any of the characters yet. Well, I so, mean, we, what, we'll, what we'll do is we'll, 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 we'll go over a few. We'll things. hash it out. We'll hash it out. Sure.
4: It got, it got a lot of love in the blogosphere over the weekend, so thanks, everybody, for that. In
0: the blogosphere. All right. Was that a blogosphere shout-out right there? Sure. A shout-out to the blogosphere? Sure.
4: I mean, some people picked it up and ran with it, and I appreciated that. Who was that? Uh, the Big Lead picked it up, and Larry Brown Sports. They picked it up. They did.
0: Did they give a shout-out to the podcast in doing it? No. See? That's
3: a problem. <laughs> I'm not a big lead fan. Wait a minute. Why? Why? What are you? What are you ragging on the big? I love lead Larry for? Brown. I just I don't I don't like I don't like the cut of his jib. All is saying.
4: it because he's a Jets fan?
3: Uh, it's just it's, it's a lot of it's a lot of throwing stuff against the wall and.
4: Oh, and you what know. do you, what do you think the stuff sports locker like is? <laughs> stuff,
0: stuff like Brockman <laughs> uh, stuff. You know.
3: uh, so he, so he, wait a minute. So he, we picked he, he up gave... on it. How does he refer? How do
0: they refer to you?
4: Uh, he just linked back to my page. I emailed it to him and said, "Hey, this is something right. I wrote. Uh, maybe, right. maybe, Which, maybe, maybe be interested in it." Good for you, being yeah. self-promotional. Right. If not,
0: if not you,
4: then who? Then and who? If not now? When? Correct. Uh, and so he put it in his daily roundup on Friday. And he said, "Here's a great." Yeah, he just said uh, for you know for Game of Thrones and NFL fans, and then just put my name. Why <laughs>
0: did, did did he put NFL Network producer Chris Brockman? Did
4: no. he put
0: NFL media's? Rich Eyes and Podcasts, Chris
3: Brockman? You're getting a lesson in branding right here, right Dude.
4: Now. Well, I was, I was self-branding. This wasn't a this wasn't a really affiliated <laughs> He's with He's going
0: out. outside of the podcast but, on but you, Rich. when I self-brand, I'm um, NFL Network's yeah, but, Rich you, I, It's called connective tissue, Chris. I, I and what it, what it does is- You are is a brand, what though. What it does is I'm bringing, I'm bringing this up on the podcast. So in kind, you should- Fair enough. It's portable and it's usable- and I'm I'm a little bit disappointed in you, Chris.
3: Law, I'm I'm with you on this one. He's trying to branch out on his own.
0: But you oh. have here's here's a good one though. Let, oh. me, let me let me let me throw Law under okay. the bus before we get to Jed York, he's <laughs> a very busy man. Okay. So Law is in um, in Mexico. Oh yeah, unreachable, unreachable. Even oh, though it is 2013. His, you turn your phone off. Did his, you not go his emails did you not go were international like, because you didn't want to pay for it? I, or what went, was it? I
3: went international on the, the data plan, mm-hmm. and I kept getting these emails like, you're over your data. And I thought I got unlimited. Mm-hmm. I, I accrued 100 extra bucks in data because I was downloading you guys bashing yeah. me and other stuff. Right, right. And then uh, the phone I just left off because the wife was giving me, you know, she's like, we're on vacation. Yeah, oh, That makes sense. Now that makes sense. Uh, you
0: know. But you were unreachable. Yeah. That's fine. That's fine. He comes back from Mexico and immediately runs off to Chicago, as those who follow at Chris Law right. saw all the photographs and stuff from Chicago. Yes. So you're now back on American soil, and now thus reachable, Yes. one would think. <laughs> but he jets off, connects, has got all sorts of stops and whatever. Of course. And part of what we're discussing on this show today, there was tapings going on, and there's a lot of moving parts, and Chris is yes. an integral part of the show, and you need to be part of the situation. I call him up knowing he's in Chicago. Phone rings. Okay, he's now unavailable, still in the States. Fine. He's got a life. He texts me back. I'm on the phone with Mark Brady, who's of NFL media. I'll call you back in a minute. To which I then turn to you, Chris Law, and say, do you or do you not have call waiting <laughs> Hold on. on your cell phone?
3: Let me go back through some text here because do you have
0: <laughs> caller ID I think you pulled on up, your cell phone. You
3: pulled up a text last week on me or while while I was gone. Sure. I, I do have I do have caller ID. I land like w- I'm still on the plane taxiing, and I get the phone call. And I don't want to be that guy picking up my phone, having some dro- like name dropping. Because I knew you were about to do Jason Bateman, and I wasn't going to be yeah. like, "Oh, what time did Jason oh, I went Bateman all caps interview on happening?" You. I and went all caps on no, you. No, no, you went Elaine Bennis, seven exclamation points. <laughs> yes, you need me. to pick up. <laughs> call me now. Because it was this was
0: it, we we almost weren't going to get it because of <laughs> the technical issues. That's fine. I went all caps on you, which and exclamation points, which <laughs>
3: yeah, you must call now. One two three four five exclamation. Five. Points. Well, in the okay.
4: texting, the all caps is a shout. You're shouting.
0: Yes. I'm shot. It, this it, it, it connotes a sense of urgency, right? W- and it was an urgent situation. Yes. I don't ever re- I don't frequently go all no. caps, and I don't do the exclamation points very much, <laughs> and I rarely emoticon.
3: <laughs> <laughs> do you
4: emoji people? Uh, people big
3: on the no, emojis no, now. No, no. I don't even know what
0: that is. No, but back to this point: Do you, or do you not? Have call waiting and caller ID on your phone. Can you not tell Mark Brady? Hold on one second.
3: I I, I could is I could have. I were I you thought, in
0: a were you in a massive teleconference phone meeting? <laughs> no, it
3: was a, it was a one off. I thought that if I would have transferred calls, said, "Hey, Rich, am on the line with Mark," and I would have had to have told Mark, "Hey, Mark, hold on, I'm getting another call." Told you, "Hey, hold on, I'll call you back." I just clicked the, the ignore button and then immediately clicked. The ignore immediately, though, button. fired a text while wow. on the phone saying, on the other line, call you in five.
4: Click the ignore button.
3: It was more like 17. The call went longer than I thought.
4: Chris Brockman. Uh-oh. Click the Click ignore, the ignore button. button. That's like the name of a horse. That's a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Click the ignore button. Oh,
3: sometimes wow. I, I could have made up a better
0: story. Other than that, it's great.
4: <laughs> other than that, it was great.
3: Keep it up, law. You're going to lose.
0: Wow. That's <laughs> so, tech salesman. I will try and shake that off as I interview Jed York, and maybe we might have to return to this later on in the show. (laughs) He is the man of the hour uh, of the San Francisco 49ers. He's the CEO of that team and a man who who, um, has pulled together the mother of all football double dips, turning a shovel in the state of California in this day and age for a new stadium for his San Francisco 49ers, and then getting a successful bid in front of the ownership to host Super Bowl 50. Super Bowl L for those Romans scoring at home. He is none other than Jed York joining me here on the podcast. How are you, Jed?
5: I'm great. Thanks for having me, Rich.
0: Oh, please. You must be over the moon,
5: correct? Um, it's, it's great for me, but it, I mean it's, it's so awesome for the community and, and seeing all the work that they've done coming together. I'm, I'm so happy for the community and, and all the fans in the Bay
0: Area. How does one go up... Uh, let's, let's start macro here. How does one go ahead and get a stadium built in the state of california in this economy
5: how does that happen jed well i think you have to be crazy enough to try (laughs) and uh, to actually think that it can work and you know there are a lot of roadblocks and if you're looking at the obstacles then you're never going to really complete your goal and i think again it started with a grassroots effort in santa clara to get the community together and you start building support literally one by one and you know you get one partner on board and you get one person to buy a suite and one person to buy a seat license and you know kind of builds and you know now we're four or five months ahead of schedule with the stadium project and we have a an unbelievable freight train behind us just powering the stadium project forward so
0: what is the funding of it for those who don't know um and certainly those in south florida who are scratching their heads how they didn't get any um on tuesday what what is the funding of your stadium
5: So there's several different pieces. Um, There's about a little over $100 million in public equity going into the project, and that was no impact to um, the the Santa Clara General Fund or taxpayers. It came from hotels and redevelopment agency money. Uh, Then you had, obviously, the NFL support from the G4 loan. Uh, The city of Santa Clara owns the building. So, you know, on behalf of the city of Santa Clara, we went out and sold the naming rights and sold seat licenses in the building. So that was more public investment into the project. And obviously we put in money and, and, and took on debt. So there's it was, it was a lot of different groups coming together. And, you know, in, in California, you, you need to be creative and you need to have a good team to work on a project that's, that's as large as this. And, you know, hopefully this is sort of a roadmap for others that are trying to get stadiums, arenas, et cetera, built in California because it's it's not an easy process.
0: Right. Did uh, Sac- At what point did Sacramento get involved in this?
5: So they they got involved by trying to take away redevelopment money. Um, and we're still, you know, working with them to, to try to figure out a resolution where they're trying to take away all redevelopment agencies. So Sacramento helped with some of the, you know, sort of larger issues with, um, you know, setting groundwork. And now Governor Brown is, you know, trying to trying to fix the budget of California and, and redevelopment agencies are one of the areas. So now we're, we're sort of back in Sacramento trying to work on, you know, keeping some of the, the public equity that has gone into this project. So it's always a, a give and take.
0: Mm-hmm. And then... Putting a bid for the Super Bowl together, how 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 does that happen? If somebody wants to go ahead and say, "Okay, we've got the stadium," which is a crucial component, as again South Florida learned today um, on Tuesday, how, how, how did how does that start, Jed? How do you begin to turn the shovel on that?
5: So you know, I think you first have to have a great. Bid chairman, um, and, and we did in Daniel Lurie, uh, a great friend of mine, uh, founder of tipping point, um, organization, which,
3: you know, is an organization
5: that was built to keep kids, you know, out of poverty and, and fight poverty in the Bay Area. And, you know, Daniel has a very community focused, uh, mentality. Um, obviously knows how to raise money. We've, there's more money than, than any Super Bowl bid to date and, we will give more money back to the community. 25% of what the bid committee raises will go back into the community. And I think when you have that message in that platform, it makes it really easy for, you know, three cities, Santa Clara, the host, you know, city of the, of the stadium, San Francisco, the host of the majority of the events in San Jose, you know, obviously another large city in Northern California coming together and then bringing together some of the great companies in Silicon Valley and the great companies in San Francisco, you know, when you have a good plan and you can bring all of those pieces together, you know, you have an unbelievable advantage with the great community in Northern California coming together. And I, I really think that gave us a, a leg up on the competition.
0: Yeah. And I mentioned this on our live broadcast too, and how the, uh, the bid committee now host committee kept hitting on technology and how this is the future of stadiums and the future of way that you watch games. I, I I sort of quipped that uh, the only thing you didn't promise was to put Google Glasses on Ed Hockley for Super Bowl 50. <laughs> uh, how, how is this, if you're a fan going into Levi's Stadium, what's it going to be like there that it's not like anywhere else?
5: Well, I think what we want to do, we've tried to be a, a, a smarter stadium, not, not a bigger, not a more expensive stadium. And, you know, I'm sure you and most of the listeners to the po- on the podcast you know, probably half of them are listening on mobile devices or a tablet. You know, that's really the way the world is going, especially in Silicon Valley. And what we wanted to do is make sure that, that our fans that are spending, you know, thousands of dollars on their own technology every 12 to 24 months, you know, we want to make sure that we leverage their hardware purchases, whether it's, you know, a Sony phone, an iPhone, um, an Android phone, whatever it is, we want to be agnostic, and we want to make sure that when you get into the building, you know you have great Wi-Fi connection, you have a ticketless experience, you have a cashless experience, you know you have all of those things. You can order food from your seat. You can get into the game and watch things on your phone. Be able to plug into whether it's the red zone channel, whether it's you know listening to our broadcast, the opponent's broadcast, the national broadcast. you want to make sure that you create sixty-eight thousand five hundred unique experiences. And that's really what Silicon Valley is all about—is creating unique experiences, and we want to make sure that the user experience in Levi Stadium is is second to none.
0: And how much of that is driven by the fact that so many NFL fans are are spending their money on uh, some sixty-inch high-definition television in their own comfort of their own home and enjoyed the experience that way, as opposed to coming to your stadium, spending money on parking, spending money. Uh, at the stadium on concessions and things that the kids are going to say, I want this, I want that. How much of your mindset into uh, creating that experience in Levi's Stadium is driven by that?
5: All of it. I I mean, we want to make sure that the in-game experience, which I don't think anybody can argue, you know, there's a better experience than being with 60-plus thousand people and high-fiving when your team scores a touchdown. That's an unbelievable experience. But you highlighted some of the negatives where – You've got parking issues, you've got security issues, you've got, you know, food, you know, how hard is it to get up and go get a, a soda, how hard is it to get a hot dog, how hard is it to get a beer, those types of things. When you can sit there at home on a, on a great flat screen TV, be able to switch channels, we want to bring the comfort of home and all of the niceties that you have at home and, and all the technological advantages that you have there and actually make sure that it's in the stadium and it's even better in the stadium. So that's really what we're working on. So you want to take the best of both worlds and bring them together.
0: Because, again, it, it just seems like maybe the, what you guys are talking about, like R2-D2 is going to show the game through his, his camera, and it's going to be sitting there like 3D. I mean, well, that, is, that, is, is that the future of this thing, that we're going to start seeing a little bit more than the game on a, on the field at the stadium? Is that, is that maybe where we're going?
5: Well, I think that's the key. And, again, you want to experience it the way you you like it. So, you know, you might use, you know, your, your phone. Somebody else might use a tablet. We just want to make sure whatever you use you can bring into the stadium. And we don't want you to have to buy something or use something that's not your own. We want you to feel as comfortable as possible. You know, and for us, with having multiple cameras in the stadium, you know, working with a great partner like Sony who's, you know, is spearheading 4K technology, which, you know, for those of you that don't know, it's basically 4X of what HD is. So if you now have 4K cameras that are shooting 4K film, and you can now watch that video on your, on your smartphone, you can now zoom in without the pixels, you know, sort of coming apart and making it a blurry experience where you can now see, you know, Colin throw a touchdown past the crabtree, and you can actually watch the ball spiral you can see it you can zoom in on it so when you can have that type of an experience on your smartphone and your tablet device
3: and you can watch
5: you know the the offensive line battle the defensive line and you can have in-game content that's what you're really trying to to develop and again it's going to be 68,000 unique experiences inside of a stadium that that allow you to get into the game like like no other place can get you into the game
0: and that's going to go happen for Super Bowl 50 that'll be in place that'll be ready to roll by Super Bowl L
5: right? It'll be ready to roll.
0: No kidding.
5: It, it'll be ready to roll next year in 2014 when we open. Wow. And we'll have two years to really work out the kinks to make sure that, you know, Super Bowl 50 is is really the, the, the best fan experience that anybody has ever seen. And, and that's what Daniel Lurie and I have talked about, you know, all along is we want to make sure over the next 33 months, you know, both in the game experience at Levi's Stadium and really with the community, we're working to make sure that everybody that comes to Super Bowl 50, you know, the first question that they ask when they leave, you know, when is the game coming back to Northern California? You know, and that's up to us to to deliver that. And if we want to get in that regular rotation and be one of those iconic destinations for the Super Bowl for the next generation of the NFL, you know, it starts at Super Bowl 50. And we need to do an unbelievable job to make sure our fans – and all the fans around the world that are either watching the game live or watching the game on TV, they can't wait to come back to Levi Stadium.
0: It also helps to send Kraft to the Bond Vineyard, right? Or Bashadi yeah. to uh, to Pebble.
5: That doesn't it, hurt. Yeah, it helps. You know, we're we're making our phone calls to Cyprus. You know, trying to get as many tea times as we can. Get Harlan Estates up and running. That's He's right, Harlan. Yes.
0: France. Now, now that's where you're talking my language. Yes. Yeah.
5: Yeah. We've, uh, we've got Thomas Keller doing our, our big owner's dinner. Um, so, I mean, there's a lot of great things like that. And again, you know, I don't think as a region you can compare Northern California with anything else, and, and Northern California is not going to come out on top.
0: So is it wrong for me to make a tea time through you right now? Is that, is that, is that a,
5: a wrong suggestion? I'm I've trying. already gotten Super Bowl ticket requests for Super Bowl Fifty. Like as soon as no, you did not. You definitely. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Who dares so. to send
0: you that email or text? Who dares?
5: Out them. Um, come on, I, man. I, I can't even say the names. I can't say the names. But you know, a tea time—that's that's a lot easier to come by, I think, than than tickets for Super Bowl.
0: 50. Oh no, awesome. man. I mean, there's only because how, how, capacity does go up for the Super Bowl, correct?
5: Yeah, so the way we've built the stadium, it's sixty-eight thousand five hundred. But we we've got two huge open plazas in the lower bowl, um, and then on on the upper levels, we've got two huge decks underneath the scoreboards, and we've also got a viewing deck on top of our of our suite tower that will hold a thousand people. So we can build four different platforms for temporary seating, and then you've got the green roof on top of the suite tower that you know you can get another thousand people up there. Incredible. So I mean, think of Wrigley. And the experience that you have across the street at Wrigley, you know, bring that experience actually into the stadium and on top of the stadium. That's, that's really what you're looking at.
0: Incredible. I mean, you must be so jazzed that this is forming. It's happening. It's on the horizon. But all that said, how, are you a little wistful that there's only one more year left in Candlestick? How, how are you thinking about that right now, Jed?
5: You know, we're trying to do everything that we can to celebrate Candlestick, and and knowing that we've played there since 1972, um, you know, had a, a great, you know, 40 plus year run at Candlestick, and you know, it's it's certainly time for a newer, better experience. But we want to make sure that we celebrate the history, and it's gonna be it's gonna be a very bittersweet season. We want to make sure that we do everything we can to celebrate it and celebrate all the great things that have happened there. You know, since the Niners moved in in 1972.
0: So, like, what you're going to recreate Montana to Clark on
5: on one night, or? Uh... So we'll we'll do a lot of those things. We'll have a lot of you know ceremonies honoring people, honoring events. Um, you know, I think our tickets are going to have a a good feel of some of the the iconic moments from from things that have happened to Candlestick. Um, you know, you just want to make sure that you can celebrate it and and really. You know, take advantage of the fact that this is the last year that, that we're going to be playing in, and maybe not the, the nicest fan experience stadium, but certainly one of the most memorable stadiums, and, and one of the places where, you know, one of the greatest teams in the history of the world has ever played sports. Oh, and
0: what's your What's your first football memory, Jed?
5: So I was three years old, the Niners. So I grew up in Youngstown, Ohio, so yep. northeastern Ohio. Uh, 1984, we were playing the AFC North, and the Niners were at Cleveland. Um, So I went with my family, and I sat on Jennifer Montana's lap. That was that was my first experience. (laughs) Kind of gone downhill since.
0: It's gone. That's pretty. So as a three-year-old, you sat on Jennifer Montana's lap. Yes. Back in the day, what was it like growing up around the team?
5: Uh, it magical. Yeah, I mean, it was really, it was watching one of the greatest teams ever assembled both on and off the field work. And, you know, it's, you didn't know what was right and what was wrong. You just knew what you saw. And, I mean, it just, it felt like this was how things were supposed to be run. And I was very lucky and very fortunate that, that my grandfather and my uncle and my mom and my dad allowed me the opportunity to be around the team as much as I was when I was a little kid. Um, I'm I'm very thankful for those opportunities.
0: And your uncle Eddie D, um, also your godfather, correct? Yes, yes. Have you spoken to him since
5: the Super Bowl L announcement? Uh, He sent me a text, and he was beyond excited. Uh, It's been a little crazy so far, you know, kind of running around. But um, you know, I I will definitely give him a ring when things settle down tonight. But he was one of the first people to text me, and um, you know, he's he's beyond excited for for me, for my family, for the team. And, um, you know, he's been a huge, huge motivating factor. He's been a great mentor. And, you know, you, you can't think of a better experience growing up and being a young guy in my position and having somebody that, in my opinion, is a Hall of Famer you know, right there over your shoulder, you know, helping you through all the tough times.
0: How, how, how has his style or how his, well, his style is unparalleled, right? I mean, it is it, 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 we'll never see it again. He, it's, it's sort of like, you know, uh, Forrest Gump. You know, he's, he's been there, he's done that. We, we'll never see it again. Uh, how, how, how did, in, in many ways of watching him work and trying to obviously achieve what he what he built, how did that influence you? How, did, how does it influence you, I guess, in your daily routine?
5: Well, I think that the ways that we're similar, I think it's passion is first with us. And, and obviously, we're both immensely passionate about the San Francisco 49ers and winning. Um, you know, our, our methods are probably a little bit different, but, but mine is obviously influenced by what he did, first and foremost, of finding the right people. Giving them the tools that they need to go out and do their job, setting the expectations for them, and and really trying to orchestrate, as opposed to get in and micromanage and try to do everything yourself. And again, our our styles are a little bit different, but you know, again, when you watch somebody like my uncle win five Super Bowls, be the first to five Super Bowls, and and create really the next generation of of a football team in the 1980s with with Bill and and having you know, a succession of quarterbacks from Joe to Steve and having that that legacy of success, you know, that's really what our goal is. Our goal isn't to let's go out and win a Super Bowl. Our goal is to be a dominant team over the next 10 or 20 years and win multiple Super Bowls. And I think those are two very different things compared to winning one versus making sure you're dominant over a period of time and winning multiple games and knowing that that's – That's what we're fighting for day in and
0: day out. I mean, it's one thing to say that you want to get the right people in place and not micromanage. That's one thing. It's another to do it. Certainly in a situation like, oh, say uh, in the middle of the season, your coach goes with a kid who's never played before over the quarterback that took your team to the cusp of the Super Bowl the year before. I imagine you in your position, in that position, that may be a moment where you have to catch yourself, or do you just sit back and say, uh, you you trust in the system, and that's the end of that?
5: Well, either you you trust in the system or you need to change the players in the system. And, you know, I I watched that experiment where people thought we were nuts. (laughs) Um, And, and, you know, even a a part of us probably thought we were nuts. We weren't quite sure how Colin was going to play. You know, got drafted, and it's very hard for any young rookie to come in and play, and we saw that with Alex. You know, we kind of put Alex out there, you know, front and center, very early in his career, and that probably wasn't the best decision for us. You watch the contrast, and and everybody compares Aaron and and Aaron Rodgers and Alex Smith. Aaron got to sit for a few years, and when he came out there, he was much more ready to play by year three as opposed to Alex in year one and and really not having the opportunity to learn and mature. So you sort of take that knowledge, you learn from it, you, you let Colin sort of mature for a year, then the next half year, you know, there was no there was no thought that Colin was going to get out and get out there and play. We we got, a, got him in there in some of the Wildcat packages and things like that. And then Alex unfortunately got hurt, so you throw Colin in there. He played pretty well in the game where he came in and subbed. And then you know, I remember the conversations the week leading up to the Bears. It's like, you know, hey Jed, you know, we're not sure how he's going to do. He might throw more interceptions to the other team than ours. Or you know, nobody knew how he was going to play. <sighs> And everybody was sort of trying to defend, you know, well, we draft him in the second round. We're not quite sure how he's going to do. And then he goes out there and lights it up. And that's where I give Jim and Trent, you know, just a a tremendous amount of kudos because they weren't worried about what's the world going to say if we make this switch. And I remember sitting down with Jim and saying, you know, what do you think? And he said, well, you know, Jed, you know, my gut says cap. And I said, great. And he just kind of looked at me you know, going forward uh, after the Bears game, going into the Saints game, and he said, you know, you're okay with that. I said, you're a coach. You know, if that's what you believe, I I support you 100%. I can argue either one, but I understand why you're doing this, and let's see how it goes. And, you know, to have that culture that embraces failure, that will, will take a chance in order to get better, but know that there's a chance where it blows up, I mean, that's that's what I like and respect about, about the organization and the culture that we have right now.
0: And plus, you're an intelligent, successful businessman, a successful, intelligent person overall. So you do what successful, intelligent people do, which is trust in Michigan men. What <laughs> is the most important aspect of your life, professional, in the team? You trust your Michigan man. Jed well, the, the reason right? it,
5: it's easy for me to do that is, you know, he, he went to high school in Northern California, so he had good roots sure. in him. Sure. So Michigan couldn't really screw that up. It couldn't alter it. I mean, how does and, it
0: feel in your Super Bowl week? You hear all the Bo Schembechler stuff and how it's woven into your head coach and the success of your franchise. How is that for a Notre Dame man? Jed?
5: You know there's a little bit more tradition for, for Jim's alma mater than Trent's at Bemidji State with football. So <laughs> so if I have to go with one tradition over the other, I I guess Michigan is better than Bemidji State.
0: Okay. See it's begrudging. I'll take a begrudging Michigan nod. Tip of the cap. No.
5: But I, I, I respect I respect Jim and his you know, his time going up and obviously Bo was a huge influence on him. Mm-hmm. You know, his dad, you know, obviously an unbelievable coach in his own right and, and going from place to place and being able to win. And Jim took that, that Midwestern value, those Midwestern ethics and, and work ethic, and just he grinds every day. Oh, yeah. and, and that's something that, you know, that, that's the only way that you can achieve great success at this high of a level. You have to grind every day. And, you know, I will definitely tip my hat to, to Bo's ways and, and, and what Jim learned there and, and from his dad.
0: There you go. That's all I'm looking for. Out of this entire conversation, you know that's all I was looking for. You I know.
5: know. I know. <laughs> I had to give you something. I had to throw you a bone.
0: <laughs> well, listen. Actually, if, if you want to throw me a bone, here, here, and this is a great way to wrap it up. Um, uh, Wednesday before the Super Bowl, a one thirty tea time at Cyprus. Um, Saturday before the big game, I'll do 10.30 at Spyglass. <laughs> um. And then, oh, I'll, hold on, I'm not done. I'm just to shoot the moon. You know, I got one shot at this thing. French yeah. Laundry, Rich. Yeah, French Laundry on uh, Thursday night, and then I'll spend over Thursday night. Friday, um, a late morning, call up Cronky uh, and get me a Screaming Eagle tasting uh, sure. around 1130. Can you work all that in for me, Jed?
5: And then we'll do Harlan that night.
0: Yes! Yes, okay. and, and then and then I will obviously need a new job because I'll have just blown off, I think, 30 hours of live television that I'm required to do during Super Bowl week, but it's worth it.
5: it. But we can bring a camera crew with us, and it'll be fantastic entertainment for everybody at home to watch us play golf and, and get hammered up in the, uh, <laughs> in the line.
0: <laughs> Management approved. I love it. <laughs> Jed, thanks so much for calling in. Congratulations uh, on the big, big achievement. Absolutely. Thanks, Rich. You bet. That's none other than I, Jed York, the CEO of the host of Super Bowl uh, 50, uh, San Francisco 49ers, joining me on the podcast. How fun was that? Jed York, everybody.
4: What a cool dude.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, it's funny. The last time the Northern California had the Super Bowl was after the 84 season.
3: Super Bowl 19?
0: Yes. When he was three. He's a 32-year-old CEO of the San Francisco 49ers who turned a shovel in the state of California to build this stadium and has been essentially... Running the team for the last few years, putting together the bulky Harbaugh tandem at the top of the food chain at that organization. They are the clear favorites in the NFC to make the Super Bowl this year. And for years to come, with Kaepernick playing the way he is and that defense as stout as it is. Can-
3: guys, 32. So I had always thought that a team. But- and he just got, sorry, Super Bowl 50. Yeah. To come to California. Super Bowl, it's not just any Super Bowl. It's L. The big one. 50. i had always thought that no team uh, that had hosted a Super Bowl were ever played in it. That, that was, that's always been the, the thing. But Super Bowl 19, the, the Niners played... Uh, in San... Stan- yeah, well, that's what I'm saying.
0: In Palo Alto. But isn't he, played in that- Stanford. he was three years old the last time the Super Bowl was that's there. That's pretty
3: much a home game. Though, Palo Alto,
0: right? with the Niners beating the Dolphins, essentially what happened for the vote for Super Bowl 50 was the Niners beating the Dolphins. Last time the Super Bowl was in Northern California, in Palo Alto, the guy who got the stadium built has built the 49ers to be a team that is clearly, clearly one of the teams that well could win that thing in yeah. 2016, and got the Super Bowl there. He's 32. You
3: know what it cost him a 32nd Super Bowl uh, or 32nd commercial cost for that Super Bowl? In
4: 1985. In
3: 1985. What do you got? Take a guess. What do you think?
4: 250,000. I'll go. I'll go lower
3: than that. You'll go, you'll take the I'll under, take the under. 525,000. There
0: you go. Wow. Yeah. How about that?
3: Was it like four I million? I lose. Um,
0: but it's it truly is a remarkable story. Yeah. And he was, his first football memory How great he's is sitting that? on Jennifer Montana's lap.
4: Not a bad way to watch a game. Yeah, we were just Fan. applauding when he said that. Fantastic.
3: <laughs> How about the, the, the 4K thing he said was pretty cool? You have your smartphone there. You want to see an instant replay on your phone, and you can zoom in. Because that, I mean, 1080i is everything now, but 4K is, is the next. So big this is thing. a new technology a that, new that technology. Sony's working on? I had never heard of it until about a month ago, yeah, apparently. It's it. a little more popular now. But TVs are going to be 4K. That's the all new rage. Okay. And it's
0: Let me fun. tell you something. If this is going to happen, which it is, clearly, right? Yeah. How how do they not get the
4: Super Bowl every 4 years? Right. I mean <laughs> got, I like, mean with that stadium Hearing and- him describe it, it's incredible. You
3: know, they put the bid out to owners on 32 white iPads, the original one. yeah, that went out, they gave right. mini iPad, iPad minis and
4: Did they get to do they get to keep
0: it?
3: I'm I'm, assu- I'm assuming you're-
0: So Bob Kraft is playing Angry Birds on that thing right now?
4: <laughs> Instead <laughs> on of- the way home? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's happening. Kraft's probably figuring out how he can put a roof on Gillette so he can get a Super Bowl.
3: Wow! I think that we'll Different day and
0: age. And you guys were, and so many people were laughing at me about me talking about how Twitter's threatening the draft. I'm telling you, man, this thing—we don't know where it's going. We have no idea. The way you watch games, the way you 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 attend games. Some of the stuff we have no idea you.
3: where it's going. Like he did say, "I want sixty-six thousand unique experiences." And when I first heard him say that, I'm thinking, "I want one experience. I want there to be well. How one about Unison fan? Yeah, I didn't want to bring it up.
0: I didn't want to bring it up. But right, how about me just getting a cell signal in the first quarter of a game?
4: No kidding. <laughs> okay, how about let's start with that. I mean, when I was at the Final Four, the internet in Atlanta was so bad and jammed up, I I couldn't access Twitter. You couldn't really call anybody.
0: I'm wondering if that's all a security measure, too. That somebody, somewhere, we don't know, because this this sort of... Homeland uh, security way up top. shutting it down. A
3: little above our pay grade, right? Someone shutting it down. Right, because it always
0: seems to me, second quarter, third quarter of a game, it's a lot easier to get online, to get your 3G. Am I
4: wrong? Where am I right? Yeah, people, no, it's a people it's a good are a little point. sauced
3: up, they're not on their phone as much. You know.
4: I don't know. That's a good conspiracy theorist idea that you got going on there.
0: But I thought it was a great chat in terms of where we're going. For sure. What he's been able to accomplish as a team. How about talking about that with Colin? Yeah. I was it just shows you not I mean, you've just gotta you draft a kid, you gotta play him, you coach him up, and then he does that against the Bears. And it surprised, from what it sounds like, it surprised even the coaching staff. It's not like, you know, yeah, he's going to go out there and, and destroy the Bears. But On the then, you gotta, road. then you you got to stick with it. Then you just got to trust. And if you're the owner and that's the coach and that's your quarterback and that's the general manager who said, just in case we need him, we're going to go with it. Man, you're sitting up there and this is your team. I'd get a little antsy. But you gotta try. So I always it always reminds me of that scene from Hoosiers, when Coach Dale Gene Hackman holds up the game plan in his little leather satchel, to the fans who are howling at him when he's only playing four guys on the floor, because he's trying to prove a point to his team that you play as a team, it's not individual. Right. I don't care if we have found it, but those. That's my teams on the floor. My teams on the floor. That's what it always reminds me of. That's why I love that scene. There's so many sports metaphors for all sports in that movie. It's a great movie. We're going more pop culture now. Rest of the show is all pop culture. Although Roblo, we'll talk a little football with him. No, he's he's
4: breaking news on the podcast before, sort of.
0: (laughs) 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 Our resident Manning expert is coming up, but first, let's talk Arrested Development. Pleased to welcome back to the Rich Eisen podcast um, here on the program to uh, promote and discuss one of my favorite programs returning to existence, which is uh, coming on Netflix on May twenty sixth. In its entirety, a new whole flat-out season of Arrested Development, Michael Bluth himself from that program, Jason Bateman. How are you there, Jason?
2: Good, Rich. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing fine. Um, Are you as excited about this as every Arrested Development fan out there, that this is finally coming to fruition?
2: I definitely am. (laughs) I am, um, I can't wait. I'm going to put on a comfy pair of socks on Sunday. (laughs) Yes. And, um... My favorite little cashmere throw or pajmina or whatever is going to keep me cozy and warm, and um, and just suck it all up.
0: <laughs> this um, is yeah. You're a binge viewer in that regard. With your pajmina, you're a binge pajmina wearer. Just like I am a binge it's viewer of take television. A
2: lot to get me happy. Um, <laughs> a real nice soft fabric and some streaming.
0: I'm um, good. <laughs> and that yeah, good Wi-Fi and a good pajmina. That's that's what I need on a Sunday night as well. How did this all come together? How did this work to finally come to fruition for everybody to get together and, and do another season of Arrested Development?
2: Um, well, I don't, and there's some, there's some business stuff behind the scenes that um, I'm sure happened between Mitch Hurwitz, the, the show's creator and also the, the, find people over at Netflix and 20th Century Fox television that, that really made it all really happen. But there was always a creative will um, from us in the cast and, and and the writing staff. We always wanted to do it. And, and it was going to be uh, a movie um, per the last line of the last episode where Ron Howard says, uh, you yeah, know, maybe, maybe you should make a movie about this family. And so that was always Mitch's... Um plan, and uh, once he uh, you know he, he had a couple of um, uh, efforts uh, and projects in television that immediately followed the show. and once he had finished doing those, he turned his attention to writing the feature script and found that the story he wanted to tell could not fit in a you know, standard hundred and ten page feature script, and so what he did was he took the first act of that three x story. And um, made it these episodes. So while the the while Netflix and and some people very very early on called this season four, um, it it really I've been telling as many people that will listen that uh, you know I just wanted to manage everyone's expectations that it's it's not season four in that it's not going to kind of look or feel uh, much like a typical season of Arrested Development Uh, for one each character has their own episode so you're not going to see every character in every episode and all the action that takes place in all of these episodes kind of happens simultaneously and and side by side with the action in the other episodes so there's a lot of kind of crossover there's scenes that reappear in, in multiple episodes yet told from and seen from different angles uh so it's it's a whole different kind of creative effort that's specific and exclusive to the kind of platform that netflix affords us and and uh, and mitch's um you know kind of plot
0: structure is part of the reason for that because of what you and uh will arnett and the rest of the the crew do for a living now just your schedules were so difficult to line up in order to get you all there and or maybe i guess to afford everybody to yeah, that, to do it like definitely. you normally did it
2: yeah, that was definitely part of it. It was it was it was part economic and part creative to kind of uh, divvy up all these episodes uh, into specific character episodes as opposed to paying everybody to be in every episode. Although um, you know that was that was secondary to this creative um, uniqueness of Netflix and that you could release all these episodes on the same day and therefore have a completely different. Uh, viewing experience because it becomes a bit more uh, participatory. You know, you can kind of stop one episode, go back to another episode, see it from that other angle, understand a little bit more what's going on in that particular scene and how the information told from that point of view directly affects the experience in this episode. You sort <laughs> of start to get different information at different times and and it kind of becomes a little bit more... You know, there's like multiple aha moments about what what they're what all these episodes are kind of about, and then how they affect uh, Act Two and Act Three, which will be in the movie, or who knows, maybe in uh, maybe Act Two will be another group of episodes next year or the year after that, and Act Three would, would be uh, another one again. I don't know the way it's going to pan out, but uh, this is just kind of the first third of this of this long story that Mitch wants to tell
0: now. Fantastic. When you were going through this series originally, Jason, were you realizing what everyone, it took a long time for everyone else to realize about how special this show was, and you were just scratching your heads as to why uh, the audience did not match it in real time?
2: Well, I think any time you do something that is uh, really specific and doesn't have all the edges rounded off, you're going to really please uh, some people and completely alienate other people, <laughs> and you know that's just uh, that's just you know that's the world of music or literature uh, or you know I don't know crazy painting or whatever. But uh, you know in television, that's just not the mandate of that medium because you know the mandate is get as many people in the tent as you can because more eyeballs you get watching your show the higher you can charge for you know the toothpaste commercial and and on and on and on so the name of the game is really you know mass appeal you want 15 million people watching your show not 5 so let's let's not alienate anybody by having a very sort of off center joke or weird looking actor or all those other things so uh i knew we were doing something specific i didn't i didn't think that we would attract as many you know, I didn't think we'd build such a vocal minority. Uh, but uh, the people who love the show are not afraid to speak up. And, no. You know, ultimately, I don't know how many people that, that really is representative of. But um, fortunately for us, some of those people happen to be people in the media. So they have kind of this bully pulpit, and they'll write us a nice headline and make it seem like there's a bit of a... Of a, of a of a big cult out there. But uh, who knows how big it actually is. Netflix is able to really give us hard numbers um, with their all their metrics and their analytics. So we'll, we'll get a real number of what that is, whereas on, on network television, it's it's always just sort of a, a large sampling uh, from the Nielsen service.
0: And it's got to be a pleasure for you to look around and, and see on, on, on the side of buses and at bus stops, um, posters, promotion, for this show yeah. that you probably yeah. never had back in the day i mean they are sending the bluth banana stand around the country if not the world i think it was in london it was in yankee stadium where people were told to go up to the the banana stand and say there's always money in the banana stand they had a chance to win yankee tickets i mean this is getting wow yeah this is, you know i went great.
2: to the game last night and i was Did i was you? rushing into the stadium and i and i ran by this thing i was like What did I just see out of the corner of my eye, and I turned around, and there's the banana stand right there. (laughs) I I was by myself, and I doubled back, and I took a picture of it on my phone with the Yankee Stadium in the background, and sent it off the, to Mitch. I was like, you know, "Looking good!" Um, and actually, uh, right after hanging up with you, I'm jumping yeah. in the car with Will Arnett, and we're going to run up to Times Square and do a little drive that's by fantastic. on the yeah, uh, stand there. That is fantastic.
0: So uh, let me just hit you with a few more questions before you before you go there. W- which is your favorite character from the from the show? That's not you. That obviously take you out of it. Which one do you enjoy when you watch it makes you laugh or you think the the character is uh most enjoyable?
2: Well, it's definitely uh either uh Jeffrey Tambor or Will Arnett. Um I you know and and for for different reasons. One um you know with Jeffrey Tambor, he really kind of established the comedic tone of the show. Uh he had one of the, uh, he had the first scene we ever shot in the pilot and so we were all watching him his character. And, and it was like, oh, okay, I get it now. It's going to be the comedic tone is that there's just no winking at all. This is hilariously serious to these <laughs> these family members. Um, and uh, we're going to do it like a drama. And it's not, you know, kind of like Airplane was where there was just no, no smiling at all. <laughs> right. um, and so that was really informative. That taught me a lot, his, his, uh, his acting. And then Will you know, I mean, I just if I wasn't so close with him, I'd be kind of starstruck around him. I just think he's uh, one of the funniest guys I know, and um, that character is just you know
0: ridiculous,
2: and uh, <laughs> and he he nails it at every step.
0: Is there any? Can you can you give me? Is it true that Ben Stiller is returning? I mean, can you can you reveal yeah. anything for me? He is coming back, correct?
2: Yeah, yeah, Ben's in it, um, and there's a handful of other people that it's already been in the media that uh, that, okay. that they're back on the show. So. Um, yeah everybody uh everybody that was asked i believe came back and um and Mitch has got you know a ton more up his sleeve for uh the re- you know the rest of this this kind of saga plays out uh there's some you know again more more ridiculous ideas that will be executed in a in a in a relatable way i think is is what he's always able to do it always blows my mind you know he comes up with these insane concepts and then i guess just manages to write backwards in such a way that <laughs> The lead up to it is something that is kind of relatable, believable, tangible, and I think, at least for me, that's the kind of takeaway enjoyment of watching the show.
0: Is there any of this ad libbed? A considerable amount.
2: Um. Uh. There. There. You know. The, the the style of the show is is kind of this documentary, kind of mockumentary, kind of thing. So it, it is meant to feel very. Conversational and real life and and messy, and so a lot of times we'll kind of make up the beginning or the end of a line, uh, so that it, there's some overlap, and it just seems like you're kind of just news gathering, you know, like like that show Cops. Uh, so <laughs> yeah. a lot of that stuff's very hard to to structure on a on a script page. So we'll we'll do that, and sometimes we'll come up with different jokes, but you certainly don't need to make up stuff uh, when you're dealing with um, with the writing that that Maturewitz gives us
0: couple of more for you, Jason. If you had to breathe life back into one of your favorite television shows from back in the day, sort of the way that life has thankfully been breathed back into Arrested Development, which one would it be? Which would you choose? You could bring one back. Um,
2: well, uh, I would probably uh, have to say it's your move because I get a lot of, uh, a lot of, you know, nice comments about that show too. I mean, not nearly as many, but, um, there was, a, there was a group of people that really loved that show. And, and it was at a time, it was right before the Fox Network was, was born. So it was still just ABC, NBC, and CBS. And um, and it was like Saturday night at 8.30 or something. So, you know, well, you and I are about the same age. It's yep. like we were like 13, 14 years old. And we weren't out driving around, you know, getting drunk. You're sitting at home on Saturday night. <laughs> well, speak, watching, for, your, speak you know. for
0: yourself, Jason. I was out getting, I was <laughs> hammered.
2: Yeah. Um, I mean, well, yeah, well, at least you were, you, were, you were getting hammered at home then watching jokes. The show it's your, movie, it's your movie. movie so. But what
0: about something outside of your world, though? I mean, just the TV show you like, something that you grew up liking, anything that you, uh, you'd want to bring.
2: I was a, always a big All in the Family fan. And um, what else did I really love? I love Faulty Towers, uh, which it's is a, a brilliant show with John Cleese. I think they, they actually tried to do that on CBS. I think John Larkett did that. Um, and I, but but with John Cleese,
0: bringing it back with, I mean, it would have
2: to be with John Cleese. Yeah.
0: And Manuel and ever, I mean, that was as genius. Yeah. They only did 13
2: of those. You know that?
0: That's right. That's well, police squad only did. I think they only did like six police squads. I think. Oh, really? Back in the day. That was, you know, which they did for a movie in a way. I mean, that's similar in a way. To bring back police yeah. squad in a movie of what's happening with your show, although obviously far more than just six were made of Arrested Development from back in the day. Yeah, I
2: mean, hopefully this this works for Netflix um, because they're incredible creative partners in that they really just kind of let the the creative people kind of do what they're going to do, and and the Netflix people do what they're going to do. And uh, it's nice to be a part of this uh, this this kind of a bit of a pioneering approach to television distribution they're doing. It's it's a it's a privilege to kind of be on the front lines of it, and uh, hopefully we get enough people watching it and we'll get to do some more.
0: Yeah, I mean, my wife and I watched House of Cards. It was nonstop. We we finished one, and then in the bottom of the screen it starts counting down to the next one. We would look at each other and go, okay, well, I guess we're going to watch the next one. And, and we're huge Arrested Development fans. That's the way we're going to spend Sunday night. I already know it. I mean, exactly it sounds it's like
2: called. more drinking for Rich Eisen more drinking. in front of
0: the TV. Last thing I have to point out, again, most people already know how successful you are, Jason, and how busy you are. And, and a, a perfect example, Identity Thief, that came out in right around the Super Bowl, is still in the top five grossing films of the year right now as we're entering Memorial Day weekend. Uh, a perfect example, though, is you are the only person I know that has created a fantasy football league, won it, and then too busy to actually keep the league going the following year. You're the only person I know <laughs> of. that, that
2: uh, Well, maybe I just I, I just didn't want to go up against uh, Keith Olbermann. Again.
0: <laughs> you beat him in the in you beat him in the final. You crushed him actually. In the final,
2: I think it was. I think there was like a, some sort of like a pigeon that came down and hit his quarterback in the eye or something. It was. It was I think it was the it form was of Rob point.
0: Gronkowski actually, who was catching five touchdowns a game uh, back two years ago. So I think it might that have is, been the in the form of Gronkowski.
2: True. I, I I made a nice blind choice there. With,
0: with the <laughs> you you nailed it, but it, but the fact is that you just I, I I can't do it, and and you probably would have won it again. You never know, but I mean it's impressive. It's impressive, Jason. Well, I'm, 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 I'm
2: focused on just my, my baseball fantasy league uh, once again.
0: How are you um, doing in that?
2: I'm comfortably in last once again <laughs> because all I do is draft Dodgers. Dodgers. And this year they uh, cannot get out of their own way so far. But It's um, not working. At least I have a full blue squad.
0: That's right. Hey, and it also there's always money in the banana stand jason don't forget that
2: that's a beautiful wrap up right there rich Jesus.
0: adios thank you for beautiful. calling in thank you <laughs> hey All that's, right. that's to just what i got take take care enjoy enjoy everything going on with uh with the uh, tv show and and everything else thanks for calling in thanks buddy my pleasure you bet that's jason bateman on the rich Eisen podcast everybody watch arrested development on netflix may 26th can't wait for sunday night every new episode of Arrested Development pops into the Netflix
4: queue at once
3: I gotta admit I was late to the party on Arrested Development but caught the first season on Netflix in season 2 now laugh out loud how many
4: seasons are there before this one
0: I think uh, three. three? Yeah, this is. uh, They're calling it technically season four, but it's not really. I mean, it's it's different. That
3: was interesting too. He doesn't know the story arc yet. Whether this is going to be a movie for the final act?
0: Well, everyone, you know, I guess they need to see how this is going to be consumed because if it is a huge hit, which I assume it will be, I'm sure Netflix will say, "Let's make more." Right. Let's make more. I mean, they should. What a what a cast too. I mean, you heard how Bateman even talked about it. They couldn't have. They can't afford to get everybody together anymore. What everyone's gone on to, Michael Cera, right? For instance, what he's gone on to since Bateman is again identity thief. uh, As I mentioned in the conversation, it's a top five grossing movie of the year, and that came out in February. Will Arnett, off the charts. He was great. I I always like David Cross. Right? I mean, the list can go on and on and on.
3: Portia de Rossi. Right. She got a she had a big round nip tuck after that series. ended. it's just
0: great. It's so good, and they're all back together. But in a, in a way, as you heard, they're not all in the same episode. That was ca- interesting
3: how you asked that because I didn't think of the the economics of that. Was, yeah, you know, they didn't want all the actors on set because they're only paying. They them could for only three probably have, have them for a few days.
0: You only have them for a few days because they're in between projects or
3: smart way to shoot expensive. It. Yeah,
0: and and the, and the, uh, the guest stars are going to be as good as, as, as ever. Ben Stiller, and I, it's so funny.
4: How are yeah. you going to consume this, Rich? I assume you're all caught up on the previous season. So are you going to sit down over the course Su- of a couple of days let me or are you, you going to stretch it out?
0: As, as, as many households are in the United States, the remote in, in, in my house is in many ways controlled by my wife. Right. Okay? Susie once needed uh, physical therapy because of the amount of time she would spend on an elliptical watching back-to-back episodes of arrested development that she hurt something <laughs> okay now you know you know my wife has an intensity to her as you know is a, is a word for it and she when she loves something she's intense about it she kept watching one after another after another so i a- assume once the kids are down on Sunday night, we are going to watch as much as possible. The problem is, as our next guest is about to talk about, is behind the candelabra, Yes, the Soderbergh movie, that's another, I don't know how we're going to divvy that up, because we have to watch that Sunday night too. The bituation would require no No less. No less. less. Yeah, you can't wait. He is and currently watch that. on the
3: open of our podcast as well. Or,
0: or what is he now? What's his nickname? He he he, he switched it up, right? Not the bituation. He oh, what you know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, he, went, he went somewhere else now. I forgot.
3: I'll have, to, we'll have to go back, <laughs> it's, it's, T- tweet tweet us it if you remember. It, if you're <laughs> listening, the
4: bituation though is one yeah. of the greatest Twitter names of all time. <laughs> of all just all the time.
3: way it came about too was was good too. Just back the before. bituation.
0: Oh, Soderberg, yes. That is going to be I mean that is That's one of those Again I mentioned at the top It is a dark movie They show uh, In Behind the Candelabra Warts and all The uh, Relationship Between these two men It gets dark It's twisted It's really And and it's really something else Well acted Well shot So we're going to have to see that I mean we We have seen a version of it already Susie and I like almost a couple of days after the shooting was done. But we haven't seen the finished product. We want to see that. But then again, there's all these arrested developments that are going to be tough. I'm telling you. It's a good thing people, Game of Thrones is off. I think people yeah.
3: Monday morning will be talking more about Uh, The Candelabra, because that's a one-time small consumption. You're not going to be talking 13 episodes of Arrested Development Monday morning.
0: Have you done the binge viewing yet?
3: I did it on Friday Night Lights, and I did it on— It's uh, tough
4: to stop. I I watched House of Cards, Netflix. On Netflix. I watched it in three days, all 13 episodes. And as I mentioned you in the conversation...
0: And those are our episodes. When they start the second one at the bottom right of your screen, they start scrolling as, as they're giving the credits of the top left of one. Right, the credits, as the the credits and this of one. starting And you're like, okay, they're, okay. They're, they're smart. I'm going to clear my schedule. I'm <laughs>
3: hour. Breaking Bad. My wife saw the preview for that show you mentioned, The Americans, I think, yes. on FX. And she's like, it looks good. Go there. I might get into that.
0: Go there. It was good. But next thing you guys have to do is watch the Larry Sanders, Larry Sanders show. Because I know you guys, the way you looked when I mentioned Jeffrey Tambor... With uh, I, with I Bateman, him, like you had no idea. I
3: call him the dad from The Hangover. <laughs> like, well, but I mean,
0: he is—he was the dad from The Hangover. And
4: he had an entourage guest spot. But it's his, his as well.
0: portrayal of the character of Hank Kingsley, for those who are not some way, somehow, Larry Sanders savvy, it's uh, Gary Shandling is a late night talk show. Right. Larry Sanders, they show you him off screen. And then there's the on screen stuff that's played out on the television show, that has a lot of subtext to it based on what's gone on behind the scenes. In a way that you watch television, you don't know that's the stuff behind the scenes in the office and personal life and how it's playing out on screen. Right. But when you have that subtext and see the on-screen stuff, it is off the charts, hilarious and dramatic in a way, too. And Hank Kingsley is his sidekick. Jeffrey Tambor plays him in... It's as good as as anything. Kind of the Ed McMahon. Yes, he plays the Ed McMahon role, and and uh, Rip Torn plays Artie, his longtime executive producer. <laughs> okay. Holy he- smokes! Do no I mean, seriously, that's the next thing for you guys, and for anyone out there. You can dodge a
3: ball. You can dodge a wrench. <laughs> Rip Torn. Rip
0: Torn <laughs> is great, and it's it's groundbreaking television. You'll see a lot of things deri- that that's derivative of Larry Sanders. Larry Sanders. When you see that, you'll go, oh, okay, now I know where this show where got I that. From. Yeah. The Office, in many ways, is derivative of, of Larry Sanders. It's not like a straight-up mock doc- mock documentary like The Office is, but the behind-the-scenes <laughs> stuff that you see, I'm telling you, it's very, very good. But now let's get to uh, a topic of discussion I never thought I'd have on this podcast, and that's Liberace. <laughs> <laughs> With uh, one of uh, one of the favorites of the show. I'm pleased to uh, call this man a longtime friend of the program. Um, he is one of my favorite guests, and I'm thrilled to have him back on. He's uh, one of the stars in Behind the Candelabra, the new Steven Soderbergh, or perhaps last Steven Soderbergh film that's hitting HBO this Sunday night um, at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. He kills it in every single scene in which he is in. And uh, I'm pleased to have Rob Lowe back on the show. Thank How are you, Rob? You.
3: Thank you. Thank you for having me, man.
0: <laughs> you bet. You bet. I, I hope this
1: is not Steven
0: Soderbergh's last movie. You know what? I've told him this, too, as he has come on this program. And I'm I'm, I'm also honored as well. Uh, do you follow him on Twitter? Um, I do. He's, okay. he's amazing. At Bituation okay which is a moniker he came up with when he was on this podcast <laughs> oh wow okay. 2 years ago when he came on first he's been on twice as my um my uh my de facto uh sports media critic after the Super Bowl, he watches the Super Bowl pregame, postgame, and everything, and he gives me his thoughts on what he sees. Oh, that's it
1: because he's a and human camera.
0: So I he's inc- exactly. Could you imagine? So, I mean, what an honor to have that. Yeah. Anyway, so he said he wanted to be referred to as the bituation on his uh on on, on it, during his interview.
1: That's brilliant.
0: So, uh, but so the fact that he says this is his last would be such a shame.
1: Well, and you know, one of the, exciting, uh, the many exciting things about the movie is, as we speak, it is about to premiere in Cannes, and it is in competition for the, the big prize there, the Palme d'Or, which Steven won with his first film. So, will he go out winning the Palme d'Or with his first and last movies?
0: With Sex, Lies, and Videotape?
1: That's right. Uh-huh. Wow. I know, pretty cool. Oh, which I was in the audience for. I saw it there, and then hired James Spader because he was so great in it, um, to, to star opposite me in a movie I did years ago called Bad Influence.
6: Uh-huh, right.
1: But uh, no, this Candelabra movie is it's
0: beyond description.
1: <laughs> you were one of the first people, incidentally, to call me. Thank you, by the way. To, You're welcome. You, you called me months ago and, and had seen a very early look at it.
0: Yes, I saw an early look at it, um, thanks to the bituation, mm-hmm. and um, and it, to the point where there were portions of the, uh, of the film in which Michael Douglas, who plays Liberace, this is the Liberace biopic, as I mentioned Earlier in my in the show, uh, where he is half in costume and there's a green screen behind him, oh, wow. and where so he had yet to put the pieces together. So I really haven't seen the finished product, but what I saw uh, all of your scenes, Rob. You play Liberace's. Um, you you play his plastic surgeon. Yes, and I, I have to you 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 kill as I say you crush it every scene. What what what. what what was it, who who are you going for when you were playing well, this character here?
6: Well,
1: well first of all, you, you know, you come into something like this and you go, all right, I'm 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 going up against one of the great movie stars in my opinion. And and sort of underrated when you think of movie stars, but nonetheless one of the great ones in in Michael Douglas. Right. One of my favorite actors of today, Matt Damon. That's right. And they both have Soderbergh behind him and a great screenplay. That's right. Okay, so you're coming in to do, you know, five scenes and I'm not looking to get blown out of the water. You know what I'm saying? I, I, you know, I want to, you know, I want to sh- throw some haymakers with those guys. So you kind of design a character that can stand out but also that is, you know, true to the story and whatever he's trying to, trying to accomplish. So luckily I had a, a really good character, this demented, sort of <laughs> probably drug-addled, Plastic surgeon who 's been operating on himself, clearly <laughs> um, yes. in the book behind the candelabra, which the movie 's based on he is described as looking like a doll, so I took that and ran with it and, yes you did and I, and I called Stephen early on after he 'd asked me to join them, and i said, H-, you know really stephen what 's your appetite for me swinging for the fences on this and he was like, Go for it, which is what you want to hear so that's pretty much what I did. I, I mean, I think the look is sort of Robin Gibb, sort of you know, you know, BG's meets um, some of the guys
0: <laughs> in the fifth row at the Laker games. <laughs> what, what's the fifth row element? What what's that? This
1: guy, I, I saw him as sort of this East Coast transplant to LA, <laughs> who sort of fancies himself a tough guy. Still, but meanwhile has. Totally been swilling the Kool Aid, and is like Colonel Kurtz, way off the reservation.
6: And, uh, and then, and
1: then, because he now looks like a woman, <laughs> I and, and I knew that there'd be a lot of mincing going on in the movie, and I didn't want to compete in a mincing pageant with Michael as Liberace. Um, I decided to give him a really sort of macho voice, and I sort of went with the guy from the uh, the men's warehouse. Well, you know, I... you're, you're gonna
6: like the way
0: you look. <laughs> Because I, I did think when I saw it that there was and and with all due respect to him, there was a 21st century Bruce Jenner type quality <laughs> to this character, and I I've seen him in the front row of Laker games, not right. fifth, but I think that's that I, I saw a lot. There's of something him.
1: about a guy and listen, like you said, they're in Los Angeles a yeah. lot, where you know he's perfectly masculine and in theory, and uh, you know just goes too far with everything, and, and that he would be a plastic surgeon sort of made me laugh. Um, so it got to the point where Matt, and, when Matt and I worked together, he couldn't even look at me. He, he literally would turn his
0: head. Just what? Start laughing? laughing. Every time
1: you look at me, you start laughing. We had so much fun. We really had so much fun in this.
0: Well, it's, it, it comes across. It comes across in the film where every scene in, in where you said you you asked Soderbergh, you know, my, what's your appetite for me swinging for the fences? Everybody did. Yeah. I mean, everybody took their biggest hack yep. and knocked it out of the park. And uh, Michael Douglas, for instance, is Liberace, is an idea that I don't think anybody put together, ever, except Soderbergh.
1: Except, yeah, I, don't, I never would have thought of it, but I, I have to say, the minute I, I heard of it, I did go, oh, I
0: get it, and that's,
1: you know, f- brilliant. <laughs> I mean, I really did. I mean, I didn't go, what? Michael, that's really? Right. Michael, hmm, I, I didn't. I had the, I wouldn't have thought of it, but I did go, oh, mm-hmm. man, this is going to be so good. I'd been following the project just as a fan, you know, as a movie fan, going, this is going to be great. And then when, when they called me to be in it, that was a a, a great day because it was very unexpected, and I would have been the first to see the movie anyway.
0: And Jerry Weintraub, the famed uh, producer of all the Oceans films most recently, uh, yeah. Sin- Sinatra's uh, tour, Elvis's tours back in the day, was he on the set at all? Was every this day. Guy?
1: Jerry was there every day. I've known Jerry forever. He's one of my favorite people in, in the business because... He's the last of a dying breed, and that is the powerful mogul that got into the business for the right reasons, which is he purely and simply loves talent and loves movies, and 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 his his interests that are secondary to that are secondary to that, and that, that guy frankly has been drummed out of the entertainment business. Interesting. But Jerry's still there, and well, what's
0: that like? Him being around a movie set? What's that like? Oh man, it's 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 the great
1: cause you have a guy who knew all the players cause he's, he's been at this for so many years. You know, as you alluded to, he, he worked for Elvis and Sinatra and others and um, he's made movies. He's been a studio president. Um, he's been, he's, he's done everything. And really what he is, is he protects Steven and protects the movie and lets everybody do what we want to do. And then sells it better than anybody. I mean, you know, just the you know the oceans movies and putting people together and the press rollout. Nobody does it better than Jerry because he's a he's a showman.
0: Mm-hmm. And uh, and HBO, I mean, they promote the heck out of it too, for sure. Yeah. Uh, on top of all of that, uh, we did again touch on on Soderbergh. What is it like being directed by Steven Soderbergh?
1: Well, you know, going in, you're you're working for one of the greats, um, and so there's always. That you're asking yourself that question. Wow, what's it going to be like to be directed by, by Steven Soderbergh? And um, I, Jerry Weintraub, I think, described him to me as a human camera. And I think that's exactly what he is. It, there's not a lot of let's roll up our sleeves and quote-unquote find the character and let's work through the material. And let's see what there's, – there's none of that. I think he um, – has such a supreme level of confidence. He's maybe the most confident director I've ever worked for. So he's put the right people on the racetrack. So now he's just going to let them run. And then his job is to photograph it in the right way. I will say that that he shoots things in in a way that no one else does. I mean, I did a scene with Michael Douglas where he and I are being introduced to each other at a doorway. He shot my angle and I'm waiting for him to turn around and shoot Michael's. And he goes, okay, that's it, we're done. He never even shot Michael. Never even did it. Because he knew in his head that he wanted to play it all on my character's entrance. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's just unheard of.
0: Just knowing that going in, he's just like, okay, this he, is the one shot I need, and I'm not going to overshoot it to give myself options. He gives not no don't...
1: options, because he's, he's made the movie in his head already. It's in incredible. fact, not only <laughs> has he made the movie in his head already... Um, he came to the set the very next day and showed me the scene we'd shot, cut together. I heard, and I, I'm pretty sure this is true, that on the last day of shooting behind the candelabra, they'd shot their last shot. They had a little champagne toast. He held the, the, the crew for like 20 minutes, and people wondered why they were, what was going on for 20 minutes, and he came back and said, I just wanted to tell everybody that I just inserted the last scene we shot, and my first cut of Behind the candelabra is done. They were still on the
0: set, and I think that's when I saw it. Two days later, shot with all of the you know scenes that some of them were incomplete in terms of the graphics and things of that nature, or I mean the uh, the green screen and stuff. And and just seeing him in in his element would be just a, a, an absolute pleasure because just he strikes me as the the smartest guy in the room. For sure. Who works on a completely different plane and level as every other human being in the room. And the rare guy, in that instance, who doesn't let you know that. Yes. You know, where and, and doesn't yes. put it on his sleeve and put you in the position of of knowing that because he's told you that. You know, Does that really make any hum- sense to you?
1: Yeah, he's completely humble. He's hilarious, albeit unbelievably dry. Um, but you can... You you also know by the way that the mood on the set and the way the crew reacts and and um, what I sort of liken it to is my, my friend plays the drums and has forever for Bruce Springsteen, the Mighty Max Weinberg, and ah, that's right. and when he's playing drums he's having fun and he's laughing but he is always watching Bruce, always, and that's the same with the crew, like it'll be a break in a scene and everybody's you know trying to figure out what the next set is or whatever and everybody's eyes are on Steven. If Steven wants it, man, people are hopping to it. They are stepping lively. But that's because he doesn't want to wait and he knows what he wants and it's, you know, there's just that right perfect level of tension on the set. It's all good. Everybody's having a great time, but they're there to get the work done and do it in a great way. He can't quit, Rob. Right? No, he- never. He's listen. But I also get he feels like what more do I need to look? He's mastered every genre. Name a genre he hasn't done. He's done every. He's done movies that he put George Clooney in like a space station. I think
0: in one that's a those, Solaris. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, Solaris and 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 the uh, last film that is his last film in stu- in, in theaters because again this domestically is on HBO. Behind the Candelabra is going to be in movie theaters worldwide, but here in the United States on HBO. Um, Side Effects was sort of like his homage to. Uh, Jagged Edge, right? That that type of movie from the eighties. Yeah, uh, which and was, it was, was great. Definitely. It was, I know, it's just like everything, he, Magic Mike, obviously, another one. I, I just hope he doesn't quit, although, you know, he, he gave a speech recently in San Francisco, as I'm sure you heard about, about the state of, uh, about films and, and studios' roles in films that sounded like a man that was leaving the industry behind him he, in, he's definitely, in that regard. I mean, I don't, I don't know him
1: that, that well, but he seems, he definitely seemed to me to be a guy who had nothing left to prove, had you know who lives to be challenged had no, nothing further in filmmaking that was a challenge. Fact, right, it was all really easy. And then you add to it, he doesn't like the direction in which the movie business is going. And I don't know anybody who does. And you know, my guess is we're going to get some great paintings from Mr. Soderbergh. A while. Right. So,
0: well, yeah. he, he married great too. You know, when yeah. Jules. Asner, yeah, if I had so. Jules Hasner at home. I, I don't think I'd leave. <laughs> To do anything. I mean, like, you
1: know what? I think I'm going to start painting here, <laughs> and you're my subject.
0: So, what else is going on with you, Rob? Parks and Rec got picked up. Well, I think it's Rec the is... I think it's the only show on NBC that got picked up. It seems um, we were the
1: sole survivors <laughs> of, of, of the comedy blight. But uh, we're 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 back for for next year, and that's good because the the fan base um, on that show is is so extraordinary. I mean, I I you know I've been traveling around a little bit in my break and whether I'm in Hawaii or back east or anywhere in the country people come up to me and they just love that show so much um, I, I wonder why the hell it's not showing up in the Nielsen ratings but you know, you, you know whatever it's all good so I've got that I'm working on the, my second book as, as we've spoken about
6: uh-huh.
1: I'm uh,
0: as you would say and I I yes. am in the red zone <laughs> you are in the red zone
1: I'm in the red zone well it really, it's, it really it's tougher to make, as yeah.
0: you know it's tougher to make plays in the red zone Rob
1: no <laughs> i am i'm like i think i'm done am i done no i'm not done i just can't get i just can't get it into the end zone Mm. i'm like the what would be the the team great in the red zone can't quite get it over the goal line well i mean mean, there's a lot of them i guess i guess
0: in just specific terms i guess it would be this year's 49ers at the end of the super bowl yes exactly you've, you've got four plays uh, to get it in there. Right. And, um, but you will get it in, as opposed no, to this year's 49ers. I mean, it's, I mean. You know,
1: it's, it's the toughest, you know, because my, my oldest son's home from his first year of college. Uh, I'm loving spending time with him. We just went on a a spearfishing trip. Now, let what? me tell you something, okay?
6: Yeah. The,
1: the, the studly men only need apply to this. I was like such a pansy out there. <laughs> it's like 5 a.m., we're out in the middle of the Pacific, off of some... <laughs> archipaglio that's 30 (laughs) feet below the surface, rolling around. He's like, God, wake up, we're here. Within 15 minutes, I've thrown like two scoops of peanut butter down my gizzard. Yeah. And I'm in my camouflaged wetsuit with my spear gun and my weight belt, and I'm over the side. And people are like, you know, if you see a shark, you know, get back on the boat and, you know, you've got to be able to hold your breath for a couple of minutes. And it, it's, it was so insane. My son loves this stuff. I love him, so I'm, I'm happy to do it.
0: Thus you spearfish.
1: But, but, so that's, what I, that's, that's sort of the newest adventure I've, I've been on.
0: Dude, so did you catch anything?
1: Um, our, the guy that we were with speared a 60-pound white sea bass. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was 60 pounds of big
0: fish. A sea bass. So, do you do you put like uh, Nobu sauce on it? No oh, man, they're and, and is that what you they're, do. I mean, what do
1: you? Yeah, they're great. It's the greatest, tastiest thing. And you know, we've got fish in the freezer for, for everything. But <laughs> this thing was a, a beast. And he's like, you know, he's having to hand fight it. Spirit, and it's alive, and it's oh. sixty pounds, and you're in the middle of the ocean. You got to hand fight it.
0: Wow! So you've spearfished. You've you've uh, you've acted with uh, Michael Douglas and Matt Damon as a uh, a '70s plastic surgeon for Steven Soderbergh. Parks and Rec gets picked up. Now now all that's left is Peyton Manning wins a a Super Bowl for Which, you this Cleo, year. Have
1: you ever seen any team more favored than this team is no. this year?
0: Well, I mean it's the Forty ers in the NFC because they went there right. last year. But I know what you're saying. I mean they had Wes Welker, mm-hmm. and I know they lost Doomerville, but. And I was, I was actually that, my son
1: goes to Duke, and I was down there, and and the rumor was that Peyton had Wes, and were they were running patterns and working with his quarterback coach.
0: Makes sense, and that's where he came back last year. Yeah, I mean He's it's so dude. interesting that I mean this is this is weeks and weeks ago. Oh, well, why that. didn't you tweet it out? That's Peyton Manning news. That's your but job, do you Rob. Understand what happens to me <laughs> when I tweet anything about Peyton Manning? But
1: it's your job. I had it's, his it's, name permanently deleted <laughs> from my
0: keyboard <laughs> if you've got scoopage on peyton manning you can't you can't shy away from it rob just because you got burned once come on now i know, I you gotta, you know that's it's true. your role it's the your other, role in society great
1: shooters keep shooting
0: that's true you right know, you, you have just no because, conscience just have you you missed have, a couple buckets you yeah know? short memory gotta have short memory in in in, in this business you're right uh, and next time next time i've got i've got scoopage. I'll, call call, first. I'll, call I'll, first. I'll call you.
3: Oh, there was a voicemail last time.
0: Yeah, that's right. There was a voicemail the last time that you gave me, uh, Rob. Yeah, you, and only you know. if, if you'd only picked up, it would have saved all of us. <laughs> <a gigantic laughs> fucking
3: headache.
0: It is my fault. You're right. You're right. If I had only picked up at the time. Right. But But yeah, you're right, though. Wes Welker... To Peyton Manning. He is the perfect Peyton Manning receiver, would you not say? Yeah, I know that... Totally, because
1: you know, the thing is, is I mean, he can still throw it long, obviously, but you know that's not going to be what the next couple years are going to be made of for him. So, Welker's the perfect guy.
0: Yeah, because the Brandon Stokeleys yep. and the Austin Collies of the world are sort of the poor man, Wes Welker. He now has the genuine article.
1: It's unbelievable, isn't
0: it? Yeah. What they've done with
1: that team, to put that team together like that.
0: But now... They've got to do it.
1: Now they got to do it. And you know, did they did, tell me whatever? I haven't talked to you since the disastrous ending. Did they cut
0: those like safeties like on the team bus? No, they've kept them. They've kept them. Yes, they have. They have kept them, and that is one of the stories of this week. um Is that they've they've moved on. They've turned the page. How do you? Well, man, listen. They've is turned Gandhi the page. Coaching that team? <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think I've seen uh, uh, John Fox and and Gandhi in the same. Uh, you you got to be
1: a you got to be a very evolved human being.
0: Well, I mean, he's a young kid, and uh, we had Vonnie Miller, Vonnie football, on the show a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago, and he said, "Listen, you know, I've made mistakes. Everybody made mistakes before, and it just happened. He just happened to do it in a pretty big spot. You know, the kicker missed a kick at the end of the first half. That would have been a difference, et cetera, et cetera, and so on and so forth." Yeah, you know, I guess, but I guess you're right. If you, you know, there, was s-
1: another, there was another, like Peyton Manning-esque Super Bowl against the the, the um, against uh, New Orleans moment in the game. I can't remember where they had. You know, they they, they didn't throw the ball. They ran the ball up. But got four times. Got stopped and turned the ball over.
0: Yeah. Well, there was also not not with a minute plus and Peyton Manning at the controls in a tie game taking a knee. At the end of regulation, and then they went into overtime, and obviously Peyton threw a pick at the end of the first overtime. and Yeah, and so you're that right. Was, it, that was you know, history. It's true. It's, it's, what a disastrous game that was, especially when they they had such a great regular season and finished up so strong and got the week off. I, fe- I think what it was, and you tell me, since you are, again, the resident Peyton Manning expert yes. as much as you care to deny it, yes. <laughs> um, that because it was like one degree, it was brutally cold. Right. That whatever, whatever I guess rehab he had done to his neck so successfully. Yep. He had never tested it in those conditions, and that affected his play that day. He would probably deny it, and most everyone would deny it. I I firmly believe that.
1: Well, and also you know he he had the neck gator going, which I'd never seen on him before.
0: Hmm. I think
1: I'm almost certain. Right. And then you know he was throwing with the glove for the first time.
0: I see, think, first that's time. you are the you see you're the you you pick these things up. Not, and I look at that and I go, that's
1: not for feel of the ball. I don't, I just don't believe the guys like Kate Manning.
6: Could
0: be great. They figured
1: out to feel the ball a long time ago. I think it's that that's something rehab wise. You know, keeping something warm,
0: keeping yeah. something loose. Yeah, or, or or helping with the grip because he can't he can't squeeze it. Yeah, this is all speculation, which right. is great. Great for podcasts in May for sure. Yeah,
1: exactly, we'll be but, plenty of speculating as <laughs> this as this all unfolds. I mean, it's going to be a really exciting season. Really and your,
0: exciting. And your boy Ursay made the right move. Yeah. I mean, I mean, every move he had big moves. He had big decisions to make, similar to what the Jets. You know how to do with Do I fire the GM and the coach? What do I do with my draft choices? Ur, Ursay wiping the slate clean, hit the jackpot. He really did.
1: I'm glad I'm glad you thought, I was wondering what you what you thought of of the Colts moves you know I'm a huge Colts fan still obviously and mm-hmm. and I I'm always pulling for Jimmy and you know particularly since uh, he was so funny with me in parks and recreation did you see the
0: scene that he yes, did Yes with, with them and, and and Reggie Wayne right and and
1: Yeah we we're, we're not we're knocking the ball out of the park cuz we had Roy Hibbert on on so it all you know ah. nobody had a bigger weekend than he did No he did not um so yeah so the Yeah uh, yeah you're right it's the um, it's the what would be the reverse the blessing of parks and recreation. <laughs> yeah. So there's no parks curse. It's well, where I, you come on our show and and something good happens.
0: Well, we feel it's uh, it's we we call it on this show the podcast bump.
1: Oh, That's okay, good. Yes, it.
0: I like it. We call it the podcast bump. You know, like every time Tom Brady comes on, he wins by forty two the next week. That's the sort of thing. Okay, so what's my podcast bump going to be? Well, I mean, uh, well, what, I'm what doing are you surfing later today in Malibu? So uh, okay,
1: it could be I get a uh, I get barreled for the first time. <laughs>
0: Yes. It usually is a professional bump, but if you want to I put no it's career, whatever, so that's, <laughs> that's, <laughs> Yeah, right, right? Okay. We, uh, <laughs> I don't know how that's going to happen. Oh, Rob, you're a good man. I really appreciate every time you call, and it, it's it, it's sort of like an every uh, every now and then uh, check in with you, and I really appreciate no, that. Yeah, we'll, well,
1: and we'll do more as, as the as the season progresses for sure.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Good luck on getting into the end zone with the book, man. Yeah,
1: no, was I just gotta I just gotta sharpen the pencil and get at it, and I, do. I'm gonna do it.
0: Okay, just focus, take it one one word at a time, and hope for the best. That's as right. They say as they say and can and continue uh, on with the um, great success with parks and rec and behind the candelabra looking forward to seeing it on sunday night
1: great thanks appreciate so it you
0: bet that's rob Lowe back on the rich eisen podcast rob Lowe,
3: how it's, funny is that that's I, great one I, of a kind
0: I, I mean he he's a spearfisher i
3: spearfish rich
0: you pardon me what i spearfish as well what do you mean
3: in my uh, in the summer of chris when i had a brief stint of unemployment summer uh, of chris a couple years back Yes, you know, I was doing no, ahead, some no, fruit minor ahead. freelance work. I spent a lot of time, you know, hobbying. You got time on your hands. and Hobbying. I, I've always fished. I've been a fisher for a while. Yeah, a fisherman for a while. And uh, a friend of mine was like, Have you ever gone spearfishing? I'm like, No. Bought a gun, spearfishing. It's awesome. Lobster diving, spearfishing. Down in San Diego. Went up in Malibu three weeks ago. Didn't see anything. Big swells.
4: That's Chris Law's spearfishing story, everybody. Yes. I used to work on a lobster boat. That's did not you really? exactly lobster. What, was, what did you call it? Lobster, lobster
3: diving. Lobster, yeah. lobster diving? You have to go at night. That is some scary stuff. And Being I've been to water.
0: a uh, red lobster, <laughs> <laughs> have, that, which, which was the seafood lover in me.
3: Uh, the garlic rolls there are amazing. Cheddar Bay Biscuits.
0: So you and Rob Lowe have that in common. I
3: saw he tweeted it out on Friday, and I was going to have you ask him about it, but he brought it up. He on He brought its own. it up. But, uh, yeah, it was, it's a it's a fun thing to do. The guys that are really good can hold their breath for. Time how funny is it. how
0: funny is that that he had a Peyton Manning scoop and sat on it,
3: sat on it because he was worried <laughs>
0: he's been burned. Well, if you're
3: like you're him, you're uh-huh. a celeb sports fan, and you tweet out something it, you don't think anyone's running with it, and that thing caught
0: fire. En fuego. <laughs> God,
3: And you could have prevented it all by picking up your phone. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I guess. Oh. I think he had already tweeted it out by the time he left a voicemail
4: message, oh,
3: by that, the way. That message is great. We've got to dig that up. Yeah, but you know what? Kudos
4: Next for Rod. I mean, he was sticking to it. He thought he had it, Yes, he, he ran he with he it.
3: Had, he thought he had his
4: facts
0: in line. Yeah, we've been there. Ducks all, in a row. We've all been there. Yes, we have. No, not, not in that regard.
3: <laughs> not, <laughs> not in a major quarterback <laughs> no, not, retirement? Then,
0: not in that. Not in that smaller scale. Yes. Uh, Nor have any of us been in the Outsiders.
3: Yeah. No, that's true. Hopefully, Wayne's World Three. There's some rumors too. Oh, really? I should have
0: asked him about that. Yeah.
3: I came up late. I was next Whenever, time. whenever uh you were uh, I was trying to get. I was trying to get it to you, but um, yeah, I'd heard there was some rumors. He just did a convention with with uh, Dana Carvey and Seth Meyers oh, too. Mike Myers. Cool. Or er, Mike Myers. Yeah. Excuse me. When Seth Myers, he, the we,
0: new late night host of NBC. Yeah. Podcast bump.
3: Yeah, podcast from a year.
0: It took eleven months. <laughs> hey, you never know. You never know how long that podcast. We should get will Rob in the
4: studio. Is he ever out? Here? He's got to be out. I think
0: he's Northy here. Yeah, he's Northy. Okay. I think he's going to be a phone in only. Gotcha. Unless you want to take them away from the surf.
3: You know who we do because the vicinity area where they live is the same. We got to get back on. Is Dennis Miller? Dennis Miller, our buddy and pal. He's, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's always good for us. a good. We'll get him on. Good. One-liner. I'd love to.
4: And you mentioned this guy earlier in the show for just brainstorming guests, Dan Aykroyd. Oh, I, I please people. You know how many times I get people you, you telling me I look. Oh like
3: well, no,
0: I know. But ball. me with him and in in, in uh, oh, New Orleans. At James Caramel. He was... had no earthly idea who I was and what I was doing in that place <laughs> asking for a picture.
4: None. Yeah, Coming but they're talking now. about another Ghostbusters movie, so that's, you know.
0: Ivan Reitman. We can get him on. Draft Talk day. draft day. Yeah, yeah, excellent. We can do all that. All right, I'm glad that our internal discussions have now been brought out into the open. Um, do we want to do your your Game of Thrones now? Do we want to wait? Because now you just told me that... Um... Well, it's not on this week. It's
4: not on this week. And then next week is the penultimate oh, episode, what? which obviously the... Big things, happen. big things happen. Brockman,
3: do this. Why don't you give out the website? Tell people where they can read it, and then we'll talk about it on next week. Sure, so you we can, can just you a- can
4: just go to chrisbrockman.com. It's it's uh it's front and center on there. I, I this is what I did. I took about thirty Game of Thrones characters. I only watched the television shows. I've never read the books, so they're all based on the television characters. Mm-hmm. And I tried to match them up as closely as I could to their NFL. Just give me one for example. NFL counterpart. This is one. Um, so I did a uh, uh, Barriston Tell me, he's the new. He's kind of Khaleesi's the, the older guy who used to be on the King's Guard. Yeah, matched him up with Dick LeBeau. <laughs> kind of an kind of an older <laughs> defensive statesman. Who's he's, your Tyrion Lannister? He's seen Who's it all. Tyrion Lannister? Tyrion Lannister is Steve Smith, Carolina Panthers ah, that's
3: not a bad
0: one.
4: They're, not they're, definitely they're, not
3: according to Von Miller because he has a short, little person's complex, right?
4: So who's, that's right. Well, you know who's
0: who's uh, who's the Khaleesi? Who's the Mother of Dragons? Uh, the
4: Mother of Dragons is Russell Wilson. Why? You got to go to the blog chrisbrockman.com, ah, and check out the description. Ah. He's, he's
0: getting better. He's getting better. <laughs> All right, so we are flat out talking about it. All right, so let's try and get maybe we can get a Game of Thrones individual on for Chris to read his.
4: I be great if we get George R. R. Martin. He's a huge football fan. Let's do it. Author of the book. Let's do
0: it. We're going to throw that line so out gonna... Cause, publicly. Cause the
4: problem is, a lot of the actors are are foreign born. I don't know how big NFL fans yeah. are. Yeah, yeah. Like Jamie Lannister I'll just, is. is I'll the i mute think have button a, hit for the entire interview. Or, or, or Rob really... Stark or uh, Jon Snow. Jon Snow. You know nothing, John Snow. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. Do you want to give an? You want to give an international shout out I, to maybe uh, I can give to, to the to the Khaleesi. How about to how about internet, to the fine that's, people that's,
3: of Mexico for hosting Chris Law <laughs> last week. Hey, you are coming the shout out, Chris <laughs> Law.
4: Wow. Hey. Wow. You made it
0: through. You made it through, Chris Law. <laughs>
4: wow. I was going to give one to uh, Jono Hartles at Johnny Boy NZ from New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Loves the podcast. Wanted to know when the shout out was coming New Zealand's way. Here it is, my man. Next week. We already have a guest booked.
0: Uh, David Cohen.
3: Yes, you told me this. We might have we might have an additional two as well. Mm-hmm. But we'll we'll keep that under wraps.
0: Yes, time. he is the uh, creator of Will and Grace. And I don't know if you do you, re, do you do you consume ESPN the magazine.
4: I used to, not anymore. Good answer.
0: But that said, <laughs> uh, they just did a great um, uh, uh, concept where they had ten writers. Uh, write different parts of Kobe Bryant's life. Oh, interesting! As a screenplay, and he chose the uh, Kobe's end game. Wait, David wrote one? Yes, David. Where it's him. It's it's Kobe and Jordan in the hospital together.
3: Ah, <laughs> who chose the? Uh...
0: I'm gonna tell you, it's a great idea, and David is hilarious. He's a big NFL. Fan. I've met him a few
4: times a year. Yes, right? you yep. have.
0: Yep. He's coming in. Uh, he's coming in and in studio. we will have him on next week. Great, because as you know, we're just trying to consume as much pop culture as yes,
3: have
0: a good time. Have a good time with David. That's who chose
3: it. the Golden Colorado era for, oh, for that, that time period.
0: David Cohen. <laughs> What'd you say? <laughs> the Golden Color what? <laughs> the, you
3: said the 10 parts of Kobe Bryant's life and I said who chose the co- the, the, the Colorado The Colorado. Part. The Colorado. The Eagle Colorado those, sorry.
0: <laughs> I can't believe. I should have You know what I should have yeah, I should have done I yeah. should have hit the ignore button on that. <laughs>
4: Hey-o. I
0: chose not to hey the now. Chris hey now. Law move. Hey now, the ignore button.
3: That's right.
0: That's I'm right. still stewing on that. As you should be. At Chris Law. Good to see you back, tanned and not rested. Good to be back. Did you go to the Wiener Circle in Chicago? Or you
3: didn't. Uh, didn't. Did not make it actually. Uh, You're a lost, pal. Th- the, the the yeah. I know. I heard.
0: I'm sure you were doing enough fun
4: things that <laughs> wait, you could hey, not wait. Wait a minute. Before before Circle. we go, how'd you play in that golf tournament yesterday? On Monday? Yeah, on the Monday. Jim Mora celebrity yeah. golf
0: classic?
3: Okay. I'm, should, I mean, I don't play, I don't play enough Should we get
0: Jim on to talk summer movies? Oh, I did see Jim Sr., and he said he's ready for that.
3: Let's do that. The only other final thing is this has to be 45 seconds or less. We're getting the boot out of here. Uh, Rich is throwing out the mm. first pitch.
0: Actually, that has been canceled. Oh, oh
3: no! Oh! oh really? really? Yeah. Why
0: did it get canceled? The Dodgers booted me for somebody else. Let's not oh. even talk about Oh, bummer. Yeah, but forty-five. Se- we have forty-five seconds to go. Yeah. So yeah, the, the perfect timing that you give me the forty-five seconds uh, call when I. My, that's my golf game. Is is I? For, you could probably put together forty-five good seconds over a six-hour span. <laughs> but you know, Jim Mora. Uh, who was your foursome, real quick? Just four guys. Oh, okay. Who live in the area? Gotcha. Yeah. Cool. I was the celebrity in the group. Yeah, why wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> And every time that there was, a, you know, one of those closest to the pin or, or straight drive or anything like that, I had my best shot on all of them. I won, like, a pair of shoes on one. Oh, nice. Seriously, so, so one of the guys called, nickname me Prize Whore. <laughs> I don't know hey, if I can that when the chips are down, that's, right. that's me. I want to thank Jed York. Uh, who else are we thanking for for Jed York. Uh, Bob
3: it. Lang with the Forty Nineers, their head PR guy, he's a big help. On yes, it. Drew Oldmeier helped out as well with a.
0: Like Ab- it. Of course, and Bob Lang. For those uh, who know him, um they know the who he handshake. is. Those who yeah. may not know him, he's the one who tried to get in between Harbaugh and Jim Schwartz. Yeah. He was the whoa, 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 whoa guy yeah. who exactly. ran in between them. That's Bob. That's Got Bob. in there. Full suit
3: getting in there. <laughs> <laughs> uh-
0: <laughs> so thanks to Jed for coming on on a big day. I mean, seriously, within an hour and a half of that vote going down, he was on the phone with us. Yep which is great. want to thank Jason Bateman, uh, Jared Rodriguez, his uh, assistant, who was big-time help, big-time help on getting Jason on the phone. How many times did we schedule that?
4: Three or four times, I right?
0: think, yeah. How many times did we schedule that? A lot of emails. We scheduled it a ton of times, couple right? A couple times. Um, so I want to thank him. And, uh, and Rob Lowe. Got uh, to thank him. The mench. The men. And uh, good luck to the bituation. And you should see Behind the Candelabra on HBO at 9 p.m. Netflix. I f- should have asked Bateman, at what time does it come on on Sunday on Netflix? Yeah,
4: is it like 12.01 or is it noon or 6 Eastern? I don't or? know. Who knows these things? We don't. We
0: don't. But clearly, go ahead and clearly. check your Netflix queue at some point and enjoy rest the Development. Uh, thank you, at Chris Law. Rich, thank, thank you. you. Always a pleasure. Thank you, at Chris Brockman. Thank you, sir. For At the Eisen Podcast, I'm at Rich Eisen. Vaya Condillos. And for all of us here at the Medill School of Journalism, Thanks for joining us. I'm Richard Eisen. Stay listening, dear friends.